ESPN Plus, Disney Plus, Hulu Plus, Paramount Plus, Apple TV Plus. Aren't there enough of these pluses out there? Well, not yet. Yes, it's Lance and Matt Plus, a new podcast presented by WFOB and WBBI. Okay, now we've got enough pluses. So let's join Lance Morris and Matt Kaufman for Lance and Matt Plus. Welcome on into this edition of Lance and Matt Plus, a podcast exclusively heard on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, along with online through WFOB and WBBI.com. I'm Lance Morris. He's Matt Cotman. Matt, how we doing? You know what? We're doing great. We just wrapped up an amazing NFL draft weekend. There, there was drama. There was intrigue. Hats off to ESPN and NFL Network. They really kept the tragedy porn to an almost minimum with most of the te- players this year, which was made it a lot more fun to watch. Um, it, it's been great, man. I mean, it's just been so much fun. It was a blast watching all that happen in downtown Cleveland. Um, so I, I'm on cloud nine. I'm ecstatic. I'm excited. It, it's a glorious, glorious day once again. And we, we just need to get after it. So pitter patter, let's get at her. So, okay, a couple things I want to touch on. First, firstly, it was great to have the draft in Cleveland. I mean, there's no there's no doubting or getting around that. But because of pandemic and everything surrounding the pandemic, I didn't even put into the thought process of, oh, I want to be in Cleveland for the draft because I have very rarely wanted to be anywhere else in terms of outside with with random people just in general so we are we we can say this now we are both fully vaccinated so we both could have been there so it's not that, that we could, it's not that we couldn't have been there it's just because of everything leading up to now i didn't even almost really consider the idea of going you know what? that is an outstanding point and let me also say a very merry happy post 14 days for you my friend and to you as well since since we both actually Oddly enough, we actually got <laughs> our stuff on the exact same day for both rounds. Like, yeah, we did. like it totally just out of the blue randomly happened that way. It was not coordinated at all. And I was just like, hey, I just got my shot today. And then you're like, yeah, me too. What? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, uh, that is an argument point because I, I live 20 minutes away from downtown. I, I I've driven past the port area where they actually were building the draft like stage and all that stuff and yeah i'm in the same boat man the thought didn't even cross my mind to actually go to this thing like at all like i i stayed in my car and drove past the stuff like a couple times as they were building it like a day or two before the draft actually happened to see how everything looked but I mean, it was cool. It was super cool having it in Cleveland. Cleveland looked amazing this entire weekend. But, yeah, I, I'm with you. The, it didn't even register for me to say, like, oh, maybe I could go since, you know, I, I've been vaccinated and I have all this stuff. It d- didn't even register. Did not even register. So I'm glad I'm glad we're kind of both in the in the same boat on, on that. And, and uh, watching the draft coverage, I mean, I can't say I watched every single hour of the draft, but I, w- I watched a good majority of it. I can say that much. The fact, and, and I'll, I'm sure we'll talk about this and other things throughout this episode. I don't, I say this with the utmost respect for some of the people involved. I don't care about some of the random things that you are trying to promote during the first round of the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. I want to hear the damn pick. I don't care what it is. It could be positive. It could be, oh, we're earning money for these people. And I get that that's important. But during the first round of the draft, I just want to hear Roger say, with the blah, blah pick in the blah, blah draft, blah, blah is taking X, Y. That's all I want to hear in the first round of the NFL draft. You can do that through two through seven, all you want. It's not as bang, bang. I don't need to know it as soon as it happens like I am with the first round. If you're taking more than like 30 seconds, a minute max, unless it's like, unless you have like a person up there that's like super famous or whatever it be like, if you're the Browns and you have Joe Thomas, yeah, Joe Thomas, you can take a minute to say what you want to say before you get to the pick. Otherwise, if you're just some random person, I don't care. I just don't. 
but Lance, don't don't you want? I mean, here uh, I was about to make a joke. Let, let me say this much: the charities that the NFL were helping with, awesome. Right? It's not. Absolutely it's awesome. it's absolutely nothing against charities yeah. or charitable causes in general. I'm just saying there's a time and a place, and the first round of the NFL draft, when I want to know who's getting picked, is not that time. So, 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 so someone's a little salt. Are, are, are you are you salty because the Detroit pick kind of got overshadowed by them having random people talking? Is that what this? I mean, is about? it happened. It happened several times. It did. It actually it ha- really like, like they did. A I lot. forget which. It was one of the ones in the first round where the lady said the pick. Then just said yes, and then they like just didn't keep going, and oh, like didn't like say who Parsons, they were. Wasn't it? I think it was. I think because it was for, like for Michael the Cowboys, Parsons, where she got really excited. Yes, about and it. then they that was it. Like and then she just stopped. Like that, that's the thing for the first round, it cannot be the it cannot be just random people. Like if it's gonna be a coach or owner, like I know owners and I know several people in like the later rounds were making different selections. I'm totally cool with that. But especially in the first round when you know that the replay, the audio of that pick is supposed to be played for countless reasons across all the time you play. Like that's one of the things that like starts your montage is with this pick in the draft, we selected him third overall or whatever it is. Like that's played all the time. And if you have some random person that's just doing it. Number one, you're not going to know who it is because it's not going to be Goodell. You're, you know Goodell's voice. But number two, if they mess up, then they mess up forever and there's no fixing it. I'm going to give you this one. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually going to give you this one. Because uh, uh, initially, as you were going onto your soapbox here, I'm not going to lie. I was like, I, where, where is this guy going? That is an incredibly good. I mean, for Micah Parsons, let's just call it as it is. He's a, he's a good player. He's a pretty good player. Going to the Dallas Cowboys, being a linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys. A, a, am I saying he's a Hall of Famer? No, not yet by any stretch because, you know, he's a rookie. It's like being a freshman again in college. He's back to being pond scum after being the king of the world at Penn State. You're back to being a, you know, a, f- a freshman rookie young whippersnapper punk at that point. But uh, linebackers from Dallas have a track record of ending up in Canton. So w- when you have this kid's montage like eight, nine years from now, the girl runs out of breath because she's so excited that they drafted Micah Parsons. I- I'm going to give you this one. That is that- a fair criticism. That's a very fair criticism. In this division, even though I like Jordan Love, Justin Fields could end up being the best quarterback in the division, which is you're going to go to the playoffs, you're going to try to win a Super Bowl, which is why you go through all these exercises. you got to have the elite quarterback. The party is on Rush Street tonight. They're turning up at Gibson's and Hugo's (laughs) and everywhere else in Chicago where the celebration begins. The Bears move up and make the big move to uh, to draft their quarterback of the future in Justin Fields. Okay. So where does this leave us? It leaves us with the Dallas Cowboys on the clock at number 12. Their defense is just awful. And, and they better go defense. They can talk about they obliter- the offense, They'll get to it in a moment. Training. They obliterated the Cowboys. But when you have a defense that gave up the most points in franchise history, and we can talk about the coordinator, Mike Nolan, we can say we can blame him and say he was on the couch. I mean, we'll get to that Justin Fields pick here in a moment as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm skipping ahead in the YouTube video now. There, there, there you go. Special presentation. Through Draftathon, we're partnering with Mental Health America to support resources for those that need it. Admittedly, the organization that this lady works for is incredibly important, but. She turned her struggle into triumph and is now a licensed social worker who provides mental health counseling. Kanikia, we thank you for your service and all you do to continue to help others during this challenging time. Please do us the honor of making the Cowboys pick. Good job, Cleveland. That was good. 
<laughs> like, I mean, and I, and I know there's other examples too. That's just the one that like first came to at least our minds. But like she says, Micah Parsons then completely trails off. And if you have no idea who Micah Parsons is and you're just a random person watching the draft, I watched the draft with my fiance and she knows, I mean, she's a Notre Dame fan. She's watched some college football. She knows who, you know, a decent amount of these players are. She had, if she did, she heard Micah like kind of, and then didn't hear the Parsons at all. She was like, she understood once she like looked at the TV and like, oh, it was Micah Parsons. But on first announcement, like she just didn't know. Yeah, I'll, I'll give her that one. I mean, admittedly. Your fiance and I have come to blows. Yeah, because you're <laughs> knocking Notre Dame players, which you're not allowed to do. I, I, I'm just I, I I called it as it is on that one, and I I was vindicated in the eyes of both God and apparently all 32 NFL teams. But that's not important. No, I mean it is important. So I was right. Well, but let's... it's not important at the same time. But it okay. So let's I mean let's talk about that like just right now, just on a little aside. We're talking about JOK, J- Jeremiah Okoromoa. I'm never going to say his name right. He's probably- Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. Thank you. I'm just going to call him JOK forever, so that's just that's just how it is. That works. But the you you had him as kind of an overrated guy before 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 the game before the before the draft started. So it had nothing to do no. with him falling in and of itself. But I, then I, the fact that he does fall and lands in the Browns' lap when. He was a guy, I think he was pegged even at times to go in the teens in the first round, yes. depending on who you were talking to. He slides all the way down to the middle, to the late of the second round. I mean, that's great value at that point. You At that point, it's it's a no-brainer. Yeah, and you know what? I'll, I'll start by saying this. Yes, I had him as, I think, number four out of my top five overrated players in the draft. He was either number four or number five. I don't remember offhand. Um here's the thing the the reason i had him on that list simple facts are he is a linebacker that was playing slot corner for 65 percent of his snaps at notre dame this season he also lined up as a safety that is great versatility that that's phenomenal versatility I think last year with Isaiah Simmons and the Cardinals taking him in the top 10 and then them not being able to find a position for him practically the entire season proves to me that you kind of need a position. you, You can draft these hybrid versatile players in the draft because you need those. You need people that you can just throw on the field and just say play football. You need those types of players, but you don't spend first round picks on them. I, I, I'm a firm proponent. If you are a first round pick, number one, you should be a starter from day one. And number two, you should most likely be one of the five best players on that team the moment they call your name. So th- th- there's a couple players in this draft that I didn't really like their pick in round one, not because I think they're bad players, but because they don't check those boxes. JOK, just to call it as it is, checks those boxes, but he didn't have a position. So first round where everyone was like, oh, he's going to be like pick number 12 or pick number 13. I'm like, this is absurd. They they don't know where they're going to play this guy, let alone whether or not he's going to pan out. But second round, 52nd pick, that's a steal at that. that, that that's a fleecing. Because, I, I mean, I never got a chance to post it I for my top 100 I usually put together. I had him as 36. I, I had him as my 36th best player in the draft. So to not only get him late, but to get him nearly 20 picks after where I thought he was going to go. Oh, yeah, absolute steal. A complete steal makes it a very unoverrated player. Now, post-draft, and it's a great fit, pre-draft, though, I mean, I'm not going to put you on the spot with your fiancé here, but let's call it as it is. People were hyping him up way too much, saying he was going to be like pick 12, pick 13. I I saw some that were even saying he was going to go over Michael Parsons as the first linebacker in the draft, and that's just like, no. You you guys got to pump the brakes a little bit. 
So let's transition a little bit here. We'll talk a little bit more, at least for me, and I'll give you some time to think about it. I have, Matt, I have my three winners and my three losers of the draft for varying reasons. So I'll give you some time to think about that as we make our transition. But Matt, I told you before uh, before we got rolling here, there was something I wanted to play for you. And it's one of the favorite clips that we've had just in general. It, it parlays something we've played a little bit of in these last handful of weeks since it, uh, since it first came out. Are, are you, are you ready for this? I'm so, I, I really look forward to this because I feel like I know it involves Bruce Dredden somehow. And I, I want to hear how. <laughs> okay. You're right on that part. So here it is. Yeah, you're an no, idiot. No. You're an idiot. And you don't know football. <laughs> yes. Oh, Bruce Dredden, he transcends time now. <laughs> we can use him for all sports. Oh, I was I was so happy when I thought of the idea to put that together and I knew you would enjoy it as much as I did. See, I I enjoy that cuz we we've had enough callers call in and inform me in particular that I like, actually can you just play this clip again because that almost sounds like some of our voicemails we've gotten in the past. Yeah, you're an no, idiot. No. You're an idiot and you don't know football. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> that's good. I like it. <laughs> oh man. So let's let's transition into winners and losers of the draft. And I mean I'm I'm sure we're gonna overlap a little, but let's let's start with the first winner. And I mean, we're obviously a little biased, but how can we not talk about the Browns as a winner of this draft? I mean, you look at what they did. They knew they needed help on defense. They knew they needed to shore up their O line and some skill positions a little bit. They take Greg Newsom, the corner from Northwestern in the first round. JOK, as we talked about already, from Notre Dame in the second round. They get Anthony Schwartz wide out from Auburn, who literally has basically Olympic speed. So we don't know how that will exactly transition as an actual football player, but we at least know he's got the speed. And you, of course, that's one of the old adages in football. You can't teach speed and he's got that. They also got James Hudson, the former defensive tackle who started his career at Michigan before he transferred to Cincy. And he's also from Toledo central Catholic and they get him to help sure up their offensive line. They get, Tommy Tagiai from Ohio State on the defensive line, and they get some more linebacker safeties and another receiver. I mean, that's exactly what they needed to draft in the draft, and we'll obviously see how all these guys pan out, but they have at least put themselves in the right position by taking the positions that they needed when they did and by also getting the best guys they could at those positions when they were available on the board. Yeah, I mean, make no mistake, the Cleveland Browns absolutely won this draft, not just as the host team, but as the team that just drafted incredibly. I, I mean, I, they're one of only two teams for me, um, kind of similar to pro football focus on this one. They're one of two that got an A-plus grade for this draft from me. Um, I, I mean, the fact that you got Greg Newsom at 26 – when his stock was really rising, I'd seen him in a lot of drafts going in the mid teens. And it actually made sense, especially because of the Caleb Farley back injury. I assumed that Newsom was going to jump over Farley in this draft. And if Cleveland was going to take a DB, that it actually would have ended up being Farley because he would have fallen that far. Um, so that, that was phenomenal pick. I mean, you look at his stat line, the kid gave a, had, I think three, games this season or more where he had a zero passer rating against him didn't allow a single catch i mean the kid's just a stud he's he's a phenomenal player he's young he's got a decent build about him so you don't have to worry about him uh, just to call it as it is denzel warding it because he's only like a buck 80 soaking wet type of thing he's got decent frame decent build very good we, we talked about jok already um and honestly, the other thing that I keep in mind with this, not just the draft itself, they did very well. Within minutes of that final pick being called, they were able to sign Florida State defensive tackle Marvin Wilson. Marvin Wilson going into this past season was considered a top 10 pick. 
and for reasons, I mean, just to call it as it is, just for reasons, he fell and ended up not getting drafted. So in reality, you look at Greg Newsom. They were able to steal him when everyone thought he was going to be in the teens. JOK, absolute steal. Tommy, and say his last name for me again. Tommy, oh, I just flipped my page. Togiai, I think it is. Togiai, yes. Yeah, Tommy Tommy Togiai. He had a second-round grade. And um, Hudson from Cincinnati had a second round grade. I, I mean, just every part of this draft, they just were able to fleece the rest of the league. And I, I don't know how many places in the NFL have statues erected to general managers, but Andrew Barry is on his way to being the first. The, the, the man is just incredible. And yeah, the, the, the Browns won the weekend, not just in terms of being an outstanding host city, but they, they just fleeced the NFL. And a, as a Browns fan, it was really cool for three reasons to watch them draft because first reason, I didn't have to sit there in a very, very hard panic about, oh my God, what are the Browns going to do? Because I felt like there were grownups in the room drafting finally. Number two, they got really good players that fit their system. And then number three, they weren't drafting to beat the Steelers or the Ravens or even the Bengal. The, this was a draft where they went and got their weaknesses covered against the Chiefs and the Bills. That's the Browns saying, okay, this draft puts us over the top to get to the Super Bowl. So I loved that. I thought they did great. Definitely one of my winners. Here's a separate question, and we'll get back into the winners and losers of the draft in general. You bring up Browns drafting, and for the last couple of years, we've finally had it to where we aren't we aren't really needing the draft to be our be-all, end-all because they've been better over these last couple seasons. And even the season before, when they failed with their expectations, we at that point knew, okay, we're at least trending in the right direction. We at least had that. Who would be the one draft pick? And I know that's hard for the Browns. Who would be the one first-round draft pick that in the moment the most you went, oh my gosh, no, why are you doing that? Because I have mine if you need a second to think. Oh, no, I don't. I don't need a second to think. The answer is a tough one because I can give a couple quick little brief examples, but it is unequivocally Johnny Manziel. I don't need to think twice about it. Johnny Manziel, when the Browns drafted him, I was actually on vacation in Florida. I was at Epcot. I was at the World Showcase. In particular, I was at France, enjoying a lovely French pastry called a Napoleon. Delicious pastry. I love it. It's one of my favorite things to get when I'm down there. Um, saw them announce the pick. Just watching on my phone. The next thing I remember, I'm cleaning up a Napoleon off the wall as well as a drink all over the table because I whipped my phone across the table and then flipped my tray because I was so upset. Uh, it's like just a terrible I'm kidding I didn't go that far I it was it was a bad it was a bad bad reaction but I did not flip t- or any of that stuff I'm just kidding on that portion but no Johnny Manziel far and away I I, I was so anti Johnny Manziel when he was in college I thought he got the Heisman just because he beat Alabama not because he actually was the best player in college I thought he was going to be a bust. I was confident he was going to be a bust. He's one of those few times I have never been more right in my life. Um, Manziel is there. Very distant second would actually be Trent Richardson for me. Because when they drafted him, I'm, I'm watching this draft with my dad. And we're watching Trent Richardson run through these holes created by this Alabama offensive line that you and I could run through without missing a beat. And I'm just like, well, can we get those guys? 
they seem to be the ones making it really easy for him here. So, yeah, jo- Johnny Manziel, far and away. Oh, mm-mm, no. Nope, not going there. This is a good, clean family show. We're not going to go there about my opinions on Johnny Manziel. So the the B I was I will get to the be all end all in a moment, but the honorable mention, at least for me, would be not who they took, but who they could have had. And you can do this with a lot of different drafts, but in the moment, this was very true. And this would be the draft where they trade down from six, where they could have just had Julio Jones. Oh, and and they trade down and it ends up, I'm pretty sure that one ended up, ended up with Brandon Whedon. So, uh, no, the, the Julio Jones one, that was Alex Mack. No, that was okay. Then, then I'm getting my ears mixed up. So, okay. Alex Mack was, Alex Mack was a good player for the Browns, but he is certainly, and was not certainly Julio Jones. No, no. And and, uh, the, the irony of that one is that when Alex Mack finally left Cleveland, he went to Atlanta, he went to Atlanta. Yes. So, not only did Atlanta win that draft trade, but they were able to take the consolation prize from the Cleveland Browns as well. Yeah. So it's that, yeah, that that's a good, I remember Julio Jones. I mean, my God, I, I, at some point we'll go from a history of the Browns type of things. The, the roster this team could have had, had they actually listened to common sense people and not tried to be the smartest ones in the room is terrifying. But anyway, by all means, Continue with your be-all, end-all. But my be-all, end-all is actually from the very same draft that you mentioned, and it's not Johnny Manziel because I, at the time, was a big fan of Johnny Manziel. We don't need to talk about that. But when, Wait, wait, wait. No, 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 uh, we're not talking about it. We're not talking about it. We when, will here in a moment, wrong. but go ahead with your end-all, be-all. When they took Justin Gilbert from Oklahoma State, instead of taking one of Mike Evans or Odell Beckham, granted we have Odell Beckham now, that's beside the point, they could have had him just straight away. They could have just taken him at number nine or number eight, or I think they traded a bunch of different times. They at least one point had one of those options. Mm-hmm. The fact that you end up with Justin Gilbert, who I personally did not think Justin Gilbert was worth a dang out of college, and you take him with a top 10 pick, and he ended up being out of the league in like a year or two, so it was very clear that it was not the right decision. And you could have had, at the very least, Odell Beckham or Mike Evans, and it wasn't even revisionist history with the fact that now they're both good, but it was in the moment you could have had one of those two electric receivers and you're like, nah, we got, we got this, uh, we got this corner from Oklahoma state who didn't do anything in the big 12 because nobody does anything in big 12. So at that point it was all offense. Do, do you really want to get angry? Maybe. So get slight little correction. Evans was gone because he was picked seventh by Tampa. So it, it, unless okay. Cleveland well, initially still. stayed at number two, we wouldn't have got them. But more right. that, was, was that the draft they had two and then traded back a, diff, a couple different times? I think that was that draft. It was They were either at two or they were at like five for that one. But they, well, they traded sure. back. I know the one year they traded back with the Corey Coleman one. I forget. And they also traded back with the Sean Watt. They, they traded back like four years in a row. But with, with Justin Gilbert, do you know who the next defensive player that was drafted was? The next player after him was Anthony Barr. Anthony Barr. And then Aaron Donald was pick 12. Yeah. No, he was 13. Odell was 12. Yeah, either way. Something like that. But yeah, but- the, the the defensive talent, ju- I mean, this draft in general, I mean, it's kind of crazy because Clowney goes first. Yep. Greg Robinson second. And out of college, Greg Robinson was like a can't-miss lineman. And he's he, he, he's hung around, uh, he's hung around the league and he's gotten better, but he uh, was, he was like billed as like can't miss coming out of college. Uh, I will say this much about Greg Robinson. I think as the years go on, it'll reflect a little more kindly on him. It, he had such a bad situation where he got drafted. It's just that that's. That's the here nor there, but yeah, the 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 talent in that draft because because just after after Greg Robinson's Blake Bortles, lol, <laughs> but, but then Sammy Watkins and yeah, Sammy Watkins has been injured, but he's at least been a solid player when he has had the chance to be healthy. Khalil, yeah. Khalil Mack, I mean, we all we all know how good Khalil Mack was. Khalil then Mack. Jake Matthews as a tackle, 
Then Mike Evans was the next pick. So, yes, I guess he was technically off the board, but the Browns did move for – okay, no, the Browns moved at four because they could have ta- just taken Watkins. Yes, that, that's the so, Sammy Watkins. So, that, so they could have had – they could have just had any of those guys at four. They could have had Sammy Watkins. They could have had Mike Evans. They could have had Odell. They could have had all those guys at four. But then yep. it so then at eight, yes, Mike Evans was off the board. But then they take Justin Gilbert, and he was very, very bad, as we've already said. But then after him, and the, all these guys after him, at the very least, have made a Pro Bowl. You have Anthony yes. Barr, Eric Ebron, and juries. I mean, Eric Ebron, he shouldn't have gone tenth, but Eric Ebron, he, the, he shouldn't have been the tenth overall pick. In, but he's turned into a he's, very solid. He's turned tight end. into a solid tight end, but in Detroit, he was bad. There's no yes. getting around that. Then Taylor Lewan, then Ooh, Odell, he's then Odell, then Aaron Donald, then Kyle Fuller, and Kyle Fuller has been a good corner too. Mm-hmm. Ryan Shazier, I mean, we know Ryan Shazier obviously got hurt, but when he was healthy, he was one of the better linebackers in the league. Yep. Then Zach Martin, then C.J. Mosley, and then there's a little bit of a drop-off, but then you have Calvin Pryor, who's been solid, Juwan James, Brandon Cooks, then Hashan Clinton-Dix, ha-ha now is what he goes by. Then you get to Johnny Manziel. God, the Browns really sucked in that draft, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. Like that, you had like twelve can't misses after the person you picked. And this was, and this was with later parts. Later people in the draft were good, and you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have projected this at the time. But Teddy Bridgewater was the last pick in the first round. Demarcus Lawrence was one of the first couple picks in the second round. The Browns did take Joel Batonio in the second round, so they did that part mm-hmm. right. But then uh, Derek Carr was the pick right after him, and I know that was that was. I mean, in the in the conversations with the Browns, I mean, we talked about all those quarterbacks ad nauseum, and yep. I mean, we knew. I mean, we knew Blake Bortles was going to be gone just because people were falling in love with the journey that could be Blake Bortles. LOL. And but even later on in this draft, I mean, you have Devontae Adams in the to the Packers in the second round. Allen Robinson to the Jags in the second round, Jarvis Landry to the Dolphins in the second round. And there's, I mean, handfuls of good players later on after that. Devontae Freeman was a fourth round pick. I mean, there's lots, lots of good talent was, was in this draft from really top to bottom. And it doesn't even really stop until really the fourth, fourth round is when oh, their yeah. start is starts to be kind of a drop off. I mean, even in the third round, there was some solid guys and they're like, uh, Chris Borland from Wisconsin, he turned into a really good player. He only played a handful of years in the NFL because he retired early, but he would have been a, he would have been an all all world. He, he was on his way. Yeah. So I mean that was that's I mean that's just that's just one example of the Browns being the Browns. That and you know what? What's nice about this as we start start to set we're we're gonna have to segue back because right. I'm, I'm either going to like hold you the fire and demand how you were a Johnny Manziel fan, or we have to move to our next winner. Yeah, no, let's let's, let's just keep going. So let's uh, just keep going from that. And next, my next loser, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb on this. I know some people agree with me at least in part, but I'm gonna go on a straight limb. You were a Johnny Manziel fan. Hold on. No, no, no. We're not, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. Next loser <laughs> for me is the New England Patriots. I am tired of this whole era or whatever the word is. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it with Bill Belichick that everything they do is right. Yes, sometimes they are right and it works out very well for them. They, in general, have not been this amazing bastion of football with the NFL. It turns out it was a lot of Tom Brady, and we saw that transition to Tampa with them winning the title in his first year. Let's call a spade a spade. When it hasn't been Tom Brady back there, quarterback, it's been okay, but anytime they left New England, those players were average to below average. You look at Matt Castle. He In the year Tom Brady gets hurt, leads them to a 10-6 record, doesn't do anything good again. Jimmy Garoppolo, he had a good start in San Francisco, but aside from that, average to below average since then there's a reason they have draft they drafted jimmy g as their next guy and there's a reason that there's a next guy in san francisco now with trey lance so that's very obvious that they're looking to go in a different direction same thing for jacoby Brissett when they had him with the patriots he's been in indiana 
he or in Indianapolis. He's been okay. But until then, there was like, oh, let's go get another quarterback. Let's get Phillip Rivers. Oh, we still have Jacoby Brissett. Oh, no, we're going to go get another quarterback. We're going to trade for Carson Wentz. There's a reason all of these quarterbacks have not remained the top guy in New England or out of New England aside from Tom Brady. And there's a reason why Mac Jones sucks. I don't think he's going to be good. He was thrown to an NFL wide receiver room of that whole the year two got hurt he had all those guys then the next year yeah Jalen Waddle gets hurt and it's Devontae Smith but Devontae Smith went on to win the friggin Heisman because of how he carried that offense to go with Najee Harris Mac Jones is not going to be good write it down in pen I don't care see ya so I didn't have New England as one of my <laughs> losers because I did love the Christian Bearmore pick in the second round. Yeah, this is entirely about Mac Jones. If this is entirely about Mac Jones, then yes, the Patriots lost because I am in the same camp that you are. I think Mac Jones is absolutely going to be a bust. He is uh, Patrick Ramsey. He is Brandon Whedon. He's John, not behavior-wise. He's Johnny Manziel. He is... He's closer to Johnny Manziel than you think. He's had two DUIs. Yeah, that's true. Actually, never mind. That's a fair point. <laughs> He is kind of like Johnny Manziel. And the fact is, he is a product of the players around him. When I'm looking for a quarterback, when I try to find a quarterback, I look for one of three different traits. And if they have more than one of these, I go out of my way to get this guy. Did they make the players around them better? You mentioned Teddy Bridgewater. He is one of those guys that I look at him when he was in college. He made the Louisville players around him better. I think that's why he's had so much staying power in the NFL since he got drafted, even after he got hurt, is because he's just a good quarterback. Do they step up in the big games? If they can do that, that's always a good thing too. And did they actually have the experience? You look at some of these guys that are one-year wonders in the end, in the college ranks and – they're getting drafted crazy high, and it's like, well, I don't know if you can replicate that with this team because, okay, cool, congratulations. You were uh, – I'm just going to p- pick on him for a second. Congratulations, Zach Wilson. You got drafted second overall by the Jets playing in the Mountain West Conference, for God's sakes. You, you were 0 for 6, 0 and 6 against teams that were in the top 25. One touchdown to seven interceptions, and you only average 180 yards a game. I'm not drafting you until day three because I don't think you can cut it at that point. I just don't. I don't think you can cut it in the tough games. Sure, you can roll up on Colorado State and Utah State. Cool. Cool. Congratulations. But, no, Mac Jones, you were throwing a Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, Najee Harris, You've had other great running backs come through. You had an offensive line that had three people drafted in the first two rounds. You had a defense that was lights out. Mac Jones is the same kind of attitude that I have about people like Eric Spolstra. He was just a good babysitter. And if you're not good with all that talent around you, you suck. Having said all that. Well, that's that's part of my argument is because – when Tua is hurt that year before, it becomes Mac Jones's team. And with all that talent, I know that they – I don't know what the exact numbers were, but they weren't winning games. No, their, their, their stats went down significantly. So it was – And he had, a, he, had, he had four NFL receivers out there. Exactly. Because uh, lest we forget, Jerry Jury – or Jerry Judy was also on that team too. And Ruggs. And Ruggs. So you had four – well, not Ruggs um, – no, I thought Rug wasn't Rugs Oklahoma. Uh, one of them. I'm, I'm maybe maybe I'm mis- misremembering, but there there was oh, so another I, I there was Ruggs another first round receiver in there. But either way, that that's that's not important. I, I I'll agree with you to an extent in terms of just the first round. The Patriots were a loser. My set my second my first loser. The biggest loser for me. Ruggs is Alabama. You're thinking of C.D. Lamb is Oklahoma. Thank you. So, okay, so there were four first-round wide receivers in that room. Yes. Um, For me, my biggest loser, Cincinnati Bengals. See, I have them as a winner. Joe Burrow 
had a chance to get a once in a generation tackle to block for him. Once in a generation tackle. This draft was so deep at wide receiver. So, so deep at wide receiver. Do I like Jamar Chase? Yes, I love Jamar Chase. If you were to ask my opinion of Jamar Chase, I'd put him immediately top 15 wide receiver in the NFL. I think he's that talented. I I really do. The problem is we're not going to find that out because Joe Burrow is going to be running for his God-blessed life again. Riley Reef is not the answer at tackle. He's He's just not. He's not. Cincinnati fans, he's not. Joe Burrow was ripped to shreds last year because of how crappy that offensive line was. And you wait until the fourth freaking round to draft a line? No. You, you like they, got one, they got one in the second round. What are you talking about? Who went second round? They got one in the second round. Hold on. Uh, did they get one second round? Yeah, they got one in the second round. I did write oh, down his no, name, okay. but they got a tackle in the uh, second uh, round. Jackson Carmen from from Clemson. Okay. Um, you want to walk your uh, walk your loser back a little bit? No, because Jackson Carmen is not Penny Sewell, and Jackson Carmen is most likely going to end up as a guard. That doesn't solve the tackle problem in Cincinnati. That's like Kansas City Chiefs. Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz get hurt. So they go out and sign every guard in NFL free agency and then trade for Orlando Brett. They're still short of tackle. They haven't fixed their tackle problem. That is where I have an inherent issue with the Cincinnati Bengals. Because you, you have the Patriots as a loser solely because of Mac Jones. I have it solely because of Penny Sewell. Because at the end of the day, you pay for the house. But then you pay for the insurance. Those are the first two bills you pay right off the bat. You pay your mortgage, then you pay the insurance. You bought the house last year with Joe Burrow. You decided that you didn't need insurance, and that tree came in and took out half your house. You fixed the house, and that's like, okay, now we need to put an extension on the house, as opposed to fixing it with the insurance. Oh, no, no, no. I love Jamar Chase. He's going to be a great player. Joe Burrow is going to run for his life again. They did not fix the problem in free agency or the draft. So the Cincinnati Bengals are my top loser. So my next winner, I got to go with the Dolphins. I I love what they did with their picks. Although me personally, I would have taken Devontae Smith instead of Jalen Waddle, but then they grabbed Jalen Phillips, the DN from Miami, who, as long as it appears, as long as he stays healthy, is going to be a good ad rusher. They've mm. got Javion Holland, the safety from Oregon, Liam Eikenberg, the tackle from Notre Dame in their second round picks, and they got Hunter Long from BC at tight end. And I'm pretty sure all of those guys are going to be starters for them as soon as they get into camp, and especially once they learn the offense, defense, that sort of thing. And to be able to get guys that you know you're going to be able to slot in with those first couple rounds of picks sometimes, and it might sound simple, but not every team does that or will do that. They will. Some of those teams will draft a project and it can be something as massive as, okay, we're the Niners. We're pretty good when we're healthy. So we're going to take Trey Lance at three and develop him as the years go on. Cause we know he's not ready to play right now. You can do that sometimes with quote project picks, But other times you should just get somebody who is good at football that you know is good at football and get them ready to play. And that sometimes is lost on teams. Yeah. And you know what? I'll I'll actually kind of piggyback off of this. The Miami Dolphins for me were one of the winners in this draft. I don't have them as an exact winner um, because you asked for my top three. I'd probably have them as my fourth or fifth team that won this draft. Um. This past weekend, I I thought they did great. I'm kind of with you with Jalen Waddle versus Devontae Smith. Uh, I like Devontae Smith a lot. I'm not as big a fan of him because he is just so tiny. Uh, I like that. That terrifies me once you get to the next level. 
being only 166 pounds as an NFL wide receiver. That's, I, I mean, if, if you cut off one of my legs, I think that's about 166 pounds right there. But <laughs> it's, I, I, I'm, I'm concerned about his size. Jalen Waddle absolutely is that field stretcher that's going to work for Tua very nicely. They have chemistry. But for me, the, the reason I like their picks is that second round. Javon Holland is just an absolute ball hawk of a safety. I, I mean, nine interceptions and 17 career starts for Oregon is just incredible. And Liam Eichenberg, I mean, Eichenberg going into this draft was a first round graded tackle, not a, he plays tackle in college and he's going to convert to guard. He's a tackle. He is going to be the left tackle for the Miami Dolphins. And uh, b- between him, well, right tackle. Oh no, they're, I think they're going to move Austin Jackson to the right side. I, I, you, don't, you don't think they'll, he, you don't think they'll have him protecting to his blind side. Oh, that's right. No, my apologies. Tua is Tua is a southpaw. You're right. Yeah, so yeah, he'll be on the right side. He'll, he'll be his blind side guy. Yeah, my my apologies. I I forgot that Tua is lefty. But um, yeah. So uh, he's he's going to be a tackle. It's just as simple as that. He didn't give up a sack in three years as a starter at Notre Dame. And just because he didn't grade through the roof in terms of uh, pre-draft workouts and stuff like that. And that's why he was there in round two. I think it's a steal. Uh, my second winner, I- I'm just going to jump right into it. My only other A-plus grade I have in this draft, and that's the Chicago Bears. And it's exactly for one reason and one reason. They took the best player in the draft, in my opinion, in Justin Fields. Uh, th- this is a phenomenal fit for their offense. It's an absolute steal the fact that he was there at 11 and they continued to just build off of that by landing another first round tackle in Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma state in round two. I I mean, they, they just crushed it. They absolutely crushed it in this draft. And yeah, I, I said, it. Justin Fields for my money was the best quarterback in this draft. For anyone that followed my tweets or saw that, I actually had Trevor Lawrence as my most overrated player in this draft. For the same exact reason I feel Mac Jones is overrated. You look at the talent around Trevor Lawrence, it's absurd. Anyone should do good in that system. You look in the big game moments, Trevor Lawrence is hit and miss. He's had some big games where he's been outstanding and others namely this past Ohio State game, where he was terrible. And I I simply just don't feel like he makes the players around him better. I don't have that thought on Justin Fields. I feel he makes the players around him better. Because every receiver is a 100-yard receiver when they work with Justin Fields. I mean, the Ohio State wide receiver room is pretty good, don't get me wrong, but Outside of diehard Ohio State fans, did anyone think Chris Olave was just going to explode onto the scene like he did once Justin Fields was the starter? That, that's where I kind of go with Fields. So for me, being able to trade up and get Fields, you don't have to worry about your quarterback position for the next decade at minimum. Tevin Jenkins is that nasty type of road mauling tackle that Chicago needs, that you need in the NFC North, that you need in those cold weather conditions. He's going to just be fantastic for them. And this is still a team that features Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, David Montgomery, um, Tariq Cohen. Uh, So, I'm I'm very high on what Chicago can do. And with the circus that is the Green Bay Packers right now, Dan Campbell and his knee biting in Detroit and Mike Zimmer and the most consistent seven and nine, eight and eight team since Jeff Fisher days. I would make an argument that the Bears realistically could win the NFC North just because of those first two picks. Does it not concern you the fact that they did give up their first for next year for him? That always concerns me, 
because I'm not a big fan of trading first round picks and like shipping those off because that, that, that that's trading platinum for the hope that you're getting extra platinum this year. Um, having said that though, the fact that they did land someone by all accounts, pro football focus had Tevin Jenkins as the 23rd player in this draft. So that in reality, they walked away with two first round pick graded players in this year's draft. So if you end up winning the division and you end up being picked 25 or 26 because of that, you're, you're not losing too much because of that. But if this goes sideways, like it did with the Texans for the Miami Dolphins to get their pick as high as they did, and this ends up being a top 10 pick, then it's a big problem. But it, it concerns me, but the players they got in return for it make me really, really comfortable with making that trade. For me, my next uh, my next loser, and this is, I mean, this is kind of kind of being picky, it's in part to what they actually did and in part to what was going on around them. And it has to be the Packers. Aside from the fact that it sounds like Aaron Rodgers is leaving, their draft to me was just just seemed kind of eh. I mean, you get Eric Stokes, the corner from Georgia, as their first pick. You get Josh Myers from Ohio State at center and Amari Rodgers, your wide receiver from Clemson in the third. Like, I think all those picks on their own are okay. They're not truly awe-inspiring and taking a center is never going to be awe-inspiring really if you're anyone but when we're getting reports pretty much throughout the entire weekend starting on draft night with the first round that Aaron Rodgers sounds like he wants to leave you are at that point if if he does in fact come out and for sure say he's going to leave if that's the case you are going from a contender because we have Aaron Rodgers to rebuilding because we don't have Aaron Rodgers. And that would that would completely change how you go into a draft versus what we saw happen over these last three days for them. I could see that. I, I mean, I definitely could see it. See, I don't view the Packers as losers in this draft, mainly because of what you just alluded to. It, it's a very good point. But that that's why they took Jordan Love last year. If, if that's if that's where you end up going, where you don't have Aaron Rodgers, this is why you took Jordan Love, is the fact that you were anticipating a potential rebuild or down year type of situation to kind of bounce back from. That's that's kind of why you do that sort of thing. Um, I I so for for me, I don't necessarily see it as a loss I, I see it as a grades incomplete for the Packers because if Aaron Rodgers is still on the team and that seems like a pretty sizable if right now if he's still there this is a perfectly okay draft it's not flashy it's not anything like that but it's a perfectly okay draft nothing wrong with that if he's not going to be there okay you probably missed on a couple of them but you still have good pieces in place um I am actually going to really go out there. You brought them up already. My second loser is actually the San Francisco 49ers. Trey Lance looks like he has a lot of upside. Trey Lance looks the part of a franchise quarterback. Trey Lance looks like he has the tools to become something special. Trey Lance has also only thrown the ball at the collegiate level 318 times and has only played in 17 games. You simply just don't take that as the third best player in the draft and say, this is the guy we sell the farm for because you, let's not kid ourselves. They sold the farm. And they they traded up to three. They traded up to three. They sold the farm to move up to three. They gave up a first. They gave up a second. And I think they gave up a fourth to move up to three. That is a big haul to move up from where they were at to the third overall pick 
to draft a guy that realistically is not going to be ready for two years. And in a normal situation, I'd say that's not bad. But tell me the last time Jimmy Garoppolo finished the season. You're not, you're, you're not going to see Trey Lance be able to sit and just learn and get the experience, build up the time, and then be a starter. Garoppolo is going to get hurt at some point this year. He just does. He gets hurt every season. The only year he didn't is when the 49ers went to the Super Bowl. And that was a couple years back. Kansas City smoked him. But it's just as simple as that. Jimmy Garoppolo cannot stay healthy. So you drafting a complete project at number three, when you know for a fact he's going to end up playing. And once that happens, what do you do then? Is, is it okay Well, he plays four games and he's five touchdowns to eight interceptions? Are you going to start Jimmy G again? Are you going to keep Trey Lance out there and just say, oh, well, he's going to get the experience on the field? That, you, there, I don't think there's enough of a plan in place for them to actually make this Trey Lance pick work. And for my money, going back to how I evaluate quarterbacks, <coughs> Excuse me. When I evaluate a quarterback, if I'm trading up, that guy is my starting quarterback the minute I turn that card in. Justin Fields would have been the starter the minute they turned that card in. Hell, I'd even go so far as to say Mac Jones probably would have been the starter the minute they turned that card in. Uh, You making it Trey Lance? You can't guarantee that he's going to be the starter the minute you turn in that card. As a matter of fact, you're almost positive he's not going to be the starter the minute you turn in that card. So I thought that was a huge miss, especially for the fact they traded up because the reality is they probably would have been able to get him at their original pick. If Trey Lance was who they were so sold on, he probably would have been there. He just would have. And then Aaron Banks, their second-round pick, the guard. I mean, Notre Dame kid, good prospect, definitely – is is a good mauler type of guard, but he doesn't fit the zone run scheme that San Francisco runs. He just doesn't. Now, I will give a big win here with Trey Sermon. I think he's just an absolute fleecing for this system in the third round, but this is just not a good draft for San Francisco, and they burned a lot of capital to get a guy that realistically is not going to be ready when he needs to be ready this season. Just So for me, big swing and a miss by the 49ers. So my last loser, and my other winner was the Bengals, because I love Chase and the fact that they got alignment in the second round. I mean, yes, Penesul is great. I think we both, both agree with that. But the fact that they do then get a tackle in the following round, it's not like they completely ignored the fact that they do still need to work on their line and they're still going to. So for me, my last loser, I'm going to go with the Colts because they still, I mean, they're kind of in a similar situation to the Bengals, although it's obviously not quite as dire for them on their offensive line. But I mean, they only, they took one O line and it was in the seventh round. They took Quiddy pay. And yeah, I mean, some people like him more than others coming out of Michigan, but you take him and then you're taking a defensive end the very next round too. I mean, do you, do you really need both of those at your top positions in the draft? And then, I mean, and I might be a little biased on this one, but just wasting your sixth round pick by taking Sam Ellinger. Like, what are you doing? You, you have Carson, you have, you just traded for Carson Wentz. It's not like you don't know who your quarterback is. You already have Jacoby Brissett as your backup. Do you really need Sam Ellinger as your third quarterback if he even makes the team? Like you're that's you're throwing away a draft pick, in my opinion, in that rate way in the sixth round. So that's why I put the Colts as a loser. I'd agree with that. I'm I mean, I don't have the Colts as a dead on loser. My my last loser, and then I'll give my winner so we end on a positive note, at least for the winners and losers. Uh my my last loser is actually the team that lost the most and was able to get the number one. That's the Jacksonville Jaguars. I, I'm I, I have made no secret. I am not the biggest Trevor Lawrence fan in the world. Um, 
I had him as my number one overrated player and he got drafted number one overall. I, I'm pretty sure he's going to end up good. Uh, let, let's get that out of the way. As I said to, as I said to your fiance on Twitter on that one, th- there's a big difference between overrated and bad. I'll tell you if I think someone's going to be, I think Mac Jones is going to be bad. I really think he's going to be bad. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be good, but I do not think he is the best quarterback in this draft by far. I really would have had Justin Fields as the number one guy. That notwithstanding, Trevor Lawrence getting drafted number one kind of makes sense. I mean, he's going to be where, where they go going forward. Everything that happens with them is going to be based on whether or not they make him successful. Where they lose me, though, is a combination of their next two picks. Travis Etienne is great. You have James Robinson, though, and you got him on the cheap as an undrafted free agent last year, and he got you like 1,500 combined yards. What are you doing drafting Etienne? Why, why waste that pick when you have other needs on your board, when you need a safety when you need a tackle what why are you risking and wasting that pick at that point you did not need travis Etienne. i, I thought trevin moeg the safety from texas christian would have been a better fit um honestly at that point considering he was still out there i think tevin jenkins would have been good there, there's a lot of players that would have been a better fit for that one and then at the very top of round two drafting Tyson Campbell the defensive back you you just drafted CJ Henderson last year in the top 10 and you just threw Shaquille Griffin 40 million dollars and you still have decent corners on that team right now besides those two guys what in God's name are you doing it's it was a bad pick Lawrence was Honestly, Lawrence was the most okay pick that they had. And that's saying a lot because I don't view him as the best player in this draft. And he got drafted number one overall. So that just shows how bad Jacksonville's day was. I I think Urban Meyer kind of went to the farm and went out to lunch, decided to have himself a lovely day. And now he's going to run into a problem of, okay, we just drafted a first round running back, but James Robinson is possibly better than Travis Etienne. What are we going to do now? So for me, Jacksonville is definitely my other big loser. And then my third winner that I had is actually the Minnesota Vikings. I I think the Vikings had themselves an amazing draft. I mean, did they move back a little bit? Yeah, but they were able to move back and still get the best right tackle in the draft in Christian Derrissaw out of Virginia Tech. I, I mean, Penny Sewell and Rayshon Slater, incredible left tackle prospects. I, I, I said in my draft analysis on, on Twitter, I, I view Penny Sewell as a, one, the best tackle prospect since Joe Thomas. And I thought Rayshon Slater was a very close second, which makes him one of the best tackle prospects since Joe Thomas. Flip side of that, Christian Derrissaw, I, I can't recall a right tackle that's more complete than Derisaw. I, 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 he's so talented. He, he's a great player. He, he would have been good at 14, and they were able to get him at 23. But then they went and just absolutely insulted and spit on the NFL in glorious fashion with getting Kellen Mond as a prospect quarterback I really like Bond. I think he's good. But then they got Wyatt Davis at guard in those later round picks. How Wyatt Davis went from a top 30 pick to being a day two guy, I'll never make sense of. But Minnesota's offensive line just became amazing. And then they added insult to injury with everybody else by getting Chaz Surratt and Patrick Jones. In their draft. So I, I think the Vikings, uh, if Mike Zimmer can somehow figure out how to win more games than eight or nine at most, they could definitely challenge the Bears and the Packers 
for the NFC North. It could make the NFC North a very fun league and, and division to watch going forward. Well, if Aaron Rodgers leaves Green Bay, we know Green Bay is not going to be as good. We know Chicago's, I mean, they're in a little bit of turmoil just because if nothing else, they're going to be transitioning to Justin Fields, we think, at some point in the season if he does not start the year as their starter. And the Lions, I mean, they're going to not have Matt Stafford for the first time in like 12 years. So, I mean, they're they're undergoing some changes as well. So I think that's that probably, if Aaron Rodgers does leave that division, it does become one of the more wide open divisions in football. It really, it, and it depends entirely on Aaron Rodgers. It, yeah. it, if he's still a Green Bay Packer, the Packers are still the team to beat in the North. But I, I will say that the window or the gap, excuse me, between the Packers and a team like the Vikings or the Bears, that closed significantly over this past weekend as, as the Bears and Vikings just had amazing drafts. Please be sure to rate, subscribe, review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. That's so you can help Matt and I continue to do this. But that'll do it for this edition of the show. We thank you for listening to this edition of Lance and Matt Plus. You can join us next time as we'll have more great content, fun topics, and, of course, more Bruce Drennan sounds here on Lance and Matt Plus. Thank you for listening, and have a great rest of your day, everybody. You're an idiot. You're an idiot, and you don't know football.